So we're continuing uh, the star, and throughout the last few weeks, we've been walking through the different themes of Advent. Uh, We've talked about uh, peace and love and hope, and today we talk about joy. And uh, in the church calendar, this week is actually peace, but we switched peace and joy uh, last week just due to the testimonies and availability of some of our our folks. And so we're looking at joy this morning, and Advent, as we've learned, means what? Waiting. Okay, we talk about this every week, man. Um, Advent means waiting. And how many of you guys can relate to waiting? We live in a very now world. Anybody get, get frustrated with waiting in traffic, within, in a food line, in a Starbucks? Um, but often there's significant things in our life that we are waiting for. And the Christmas story is one where, we, where people were waiting for love, for joy, for peace, for hope. And Jesus came and brought these things in their waiting. And in the same way, we are still waiting today, uh, that Jesus brought these things, but we are also waiting for Jesus to come again. Uh, And Scripture talks about two comings of Christ, the first uh, one that we celebrate at Christmas, but also there's a second one. And Advent is really a season where we join together uh, with those who went before us that awaited the first Christmas uh, to those now who are awaiting the second coming of Christ. We're waiting for Jesus to come again to bring hope, love, joy, peace uh, in all of its fullness. And so we're focusing on joy this morning in Luke 2, verse 8 8 to 11, uh, part of the Christmas story here. It says that that night there was shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't Be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of Judea. And so we want to focus right there. Uh, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy. Can you say great joy? Good news which is, in the Greek language, the, the word good news there is the word uh, that we would maybe understand as gospel. And if I were to say, what is the gospel? Uh, there's probably a few of you that would answer that uh, differently or with different nuances. But usually when people explain the gospel, it's around, you know, Jesus uh, you know, died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins, was raised to life, and we can have life uh, because of what he has done. And that is true. That is the pinnacle of the gospel, but the gospel, the word itself, sorry, I see junior high is leaving. I always forget this. If you're in junior high, uh, you can go to theater four. Uh, that's grade six to eight um, for junior high conversations. Uh, but the gospel uh, is a, is, was not a Christian word. It was a cultural word, and the word uh, is about a proclamation from the king or about a new king. And so in the Christmas story, when it says, don't be afraid. I bring you good news. This is a cultural word. I bring you the gospel. I bring a new proclamation from a king about a new king. There's a new king in town. That's what's behind this word gospel. And this new king is going to change everything. Don't be afraid. And again, in the Greek language, the, the words there are actually the two words great and fear. Don't have great fear. They were terrified. 
Don't have great fear. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy. And so uh, what the author is saying here, he's juxtaposing, he's comparing great fear with great joy. That many of us live in fear. Many, many of us live, live in anxiety. Many of us live in the season of waiting, in the season of unknown, in the season of waiting for God to show up and change something that we'd like him to change in our lives. And the angel comes and says, whatever that great fear is, whatever that great anxiety is around in your life, exchange that for great joy. There's a new king in town. I'm proclaiming this gospel, this good news, and you can actually exchange whatever you're afraid of, whatever you have anxiety around for great joy. And this, uh, this joy is to be for all people. It says, I bring you good news that will be, bring great joy to all people. And we don't think much about this, but the, the word all is very intentionally in our mission statement. Sunwest exists to guide all people. And we might not think much about this, but this is a revolutionary idea where God, Yahweh, had, had really been a tribal God for the for the Israelites. And they thought, you know, we had this special access to God. And the Christmas story is one where God breaks into our world and says, there's good news, not just for a select few, but for every single person. That word all means each, every, all. That means every single one of you. You might think, well, if you only knew what I did, if you only know what my past was, if you only knew, you know, these secrets in my life. And it's like, I don't know those things, but God knows them. And he sent his son Jesus to earth for you, for all people. There's a new king in town, and he invites all people into his kingdom, and you can exchange your fear, your anxiety for great joy. This is the Christmas story. This is the hope of Christmas. And throughout the series, we've been inviting different people with, uh, that reflect uh, different aspects of the Christmas story to share their own story with us. And this morning, we have Shar Woodman, who's going to share with us. And so if you would welcome with me Shar Woodman uh, to the stage. Come on up, Shar. Thanks for doing this, Shar. Uh, that's Shar in the picture there, if you didn't know. So awkward, yeah. Well, you're a photographer, so yeah. Yeah, there you go. Um, so, so Shar's going to share a little bit with us about her, her own journey. Uh, how uh, the joy of the Lord has kind of uh, invaded her life in the midst of uh, different things going on. And uh, so we're just going to dive right into it. Uh, 15, about 15 years ago, uh, there was an event uh, that happened in your life that um, was quite significant. Do you want to share a little bit about that? Yeah. So uh, talking just, about just hold your mic my marriage there you go. Yeah, there you go. Uh, to begin with, I think. And uh, so I married my high school sweetheart. And uh, so we'd been seeing each other for a long time before marriage, and uh, we both are from Calgary, and we got married 97-ish, and then uh, had Carson, my son, in 2000, and then we took a move to Montreal for his work. Uh, it was a good family move, we thought, because that allowed me to stay home with Carson full-time, which was uh, something that I really appreciated and valued. So we were there, and we had issues prior to going, well, right from probably the get-go that weren't really talked about. Like, communication is so, <laughs> it, it's so huge. 
Uh, we didn't we didn't fight, um, but we didn't communicate. So it's kind of hard to resolve things when you don't talk about it. So it amplified while we were there. We thought maybe that might be an opportunity for things, you know, kind of just be us there to kind of solidify just magically, I guess, we thought, because we weren't, <laughs> we weren't working at it. And, um, and then so um, my husband at the time, I, I don't know how long into it, we weren't even quite there a year. So within a year period, he asked for a divorce. And um, it wasn't... I don't think it was a surprise, but um, the part that was um, uh, that I wasn't really set up for, or that could I wasn't able to digest it quickly, was um, the unwillingness to work on it. Mm -hmm. Like it was just sort of no communication for either of us, and then all of a sudden just done. So it was sort of a, a quick severing without stepping into healing. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us, uh, you know, throughout the series, we've uh, we've kind of compared, uh, well, in scripture, it compares, you know, light and darkness. You know, and we even talk about fear and anxiety and uh, and joy and hope. And uh, can you tell us a little bit about the darkness, right? Uh, so, uh, what did you uh, process through? What did you go through in the wake of that uh, moment in the coming months and years? I'd say immediately um, a dark place was feeling of rejection and unworthiness. Um, not only to be rejected, but then not to kind of want to work through it even. Um, which then got me in my head space of blame, which was a really unhealthy place to be from, um, to choose that. So um, I would say immediately those were those feelings and then the logistics that go along with that. So it involved a choice to um, stay in Montreal where Carson could uh, see his dad, which is huge. Um, a father's love is like no other uh, for a boy or for all, both kids. Um, but um, I think that same sex relationship to have that person in your life on a regular basis is really important. Um, so it was choosing that because he was staying there or coming home to my loving, supportive, amazing family. Um, so I don't think I could get to a right decision on that, but we chose um, the healthiest choice we could make at the time, which was to uh, for Carson and I to move back because uh, I knew that's where I would be probably healthier. So if I'm healthier, I could... <coughs> Uh, give Carson probably more of what he needs. Yeah. And even just to add a bit of commentary to this, you know, Shar and I, when we chatted this, this past week over coffee, um, you know, it highlighted to me in the, the words that you just used, um, you know, didn't have the right choice, or, and then she used the word healthier. And, and we talked about how, you know, often we think in terms of right and wrong, good and bad, and black and white. Um, and often in this life, uh, there's things that happen that the best is not possible, right? right? The, the best is, uh, you know, that option has been taken from us. And so now we're left with uh, what is the best we can do with where we are. Right. And, uh, and I just thought that was a neat part of our conversation, right? Talking about making the best choices that we can in light of what has happened. Uh, and, uh, and I think we'll come back to that here in a little bit. Uh, 
You talked about parenting. What are, what are some of the challenges that you've had in, in, uh, in the wake of that in light of parenting? Uh, well, a lot. <laughs> Not because of the child, though, just uh, because of the things that you have to... There's a lot to decide upon uh, in that situation. The logistics, again, living arrangements... Uh, Part of my challenge was like I love being with Car love being poor Carson love being with him so much it's probably so annoying um, for him he's 17 now so yeah it's probably a bit much but uh, I I wondered just even even before like walking in it I'd wondered how am I going to be like the main provider of it all like how do I how do I invest in him and be there for him and be accessible and be available and be working? Like, I didn't get how I could do both well. Um, yet, God's the provider, and he finds, he gives access to a way to be able to do that. And he did that for me. And a lot of that was through support, through family. So I was able to go back to school um, for photography, um, because I lived with my mom and pa, and it was so good. And Carson got to know his grandpa before he passed away, and so that was a um, a great light and a great joy within a challenging situation. We didn't he passed suddenly, so but Carson was able to get to know my dad intimately and well. So that was a gift from it that mm. wouldn't have occurred. Mm. And Char, you're someone who uh, exudes joy. You walk with joy. Um, and although I didn't know you when this originally happened, uh, you know, there's people that did know you that would say, you know, you carried that well. You even walked with joy in the midst of uh, those hard times. Um, can you explain just to us how, uh, you know, how did you access joy? How did you experience joy uh, in that season when everything around you was kind of out of your control and you're trying to do the best with what had happened? Um, I think the main thing, well, the number one thing that I think of when you asked that was being present. Uh, so when I was with Carson, I was with Carson. I wasn't thinking about the decisions or uh, maybe my feelings around it. Not that I'm avoiding them, but I kind of, I almost categorized my life. Like right now, okay, Carson's asleep. For, I'm going to grieve now. For, like I kind of mm. chose my timing. So when I was with people, I could be with people and be be mindful, be aware, um, because I don't know if I knew that I was doing that. I was just doing it, uh, kind of like Kim had addressed last week. She knew that there was that black hole right right there. Um, that if if I was uh, wanting to be with, uh, if I was physically present with Carson, but I was thinking of all the ickiness. Uh, I wasn't able to truly enjoy the moment and be with them. So either it's going to in a depressive, depressing state, or if I'm so concerned about what tomorrow's going to look like, how am I going to cover that bill? Um, what am I going to do for work? Are those questions, then anxiety can set in. So I, just being present, I think, was the main mm -hmm. idea there. Uh, you used the words uh, this past week. You said, joy is a choice. Can you tell us a bit about that? So I'm happy to report that I, <laughs> I thought that. And as I was going through the separation, I remember reading um, about a gentleman that was in, um, 
in the death camps and he's, he said joy was a choice. I'm thinking, well, if he can find joy, he was a survivor of the Holocaust, if, if he found joy, then it must be a choice because that is, there's nothing, I don't know how you know joy in that situation. Um, so I think I knew it, um, but as I was uh, looking up joy over the last few weeks and sermons and stuff, it, it was confirmed over and over again that it is a choice. Happiness is different. Happiness is the exterior thing, so that can change, right? Like moment to moment, day by day, you're at a basketball tournament, you go in, you're pumped <laughs> in Edmonton, yeah. and then maybe it doesn't go so well, and then it's like not happy. Um, <laughs> I don't know, just like happiness Hypothetic, changes. Hypothetically speaking. <laughs> I just heard you mention, and yeah, yeah so hypothetically speaking. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so happiness is, is an outward thing, and it's on validation, it's on approval, I feel like, and it's on um, happenstance. Is that the thing? Happening? Is that mm. a word? Yeah. Happenstance? Um, <laughs> and joy is a choice because joy is he is joy he is peace it's a it's a choice and it's a person joy is a person that's neat um now you, you mentioned this a little earlier but i want to just articulate it um because i i felt like this was profound when we were chatting you said uh you know part of the key for joy for you is to be present right recognize that joy is a choice joy is a person be present in the moment uh and you said when i think and I dwell on the past, it creates what? Depression, probably, yeah. And then when I worry too much about the future? Anxiety. Anxiety. Yeah. I just thought that was really neat, right? How, she, how Char was able just to articulate to me, when I find myself going back to the past, you know, I can start to feel depression, right? When I worry about the future and things I can't control, I feel anxiety. Um, and so the journey to learn how to be present um, and that joy is a person uh, I think that was so great. Uh, what are some of the barriers to joy? You talk about accessing joy. But what are some of the barriers that you've come across to, to accessing joy? I think at the beginning, um, I really held on to, well, well there was the rejection. Um, and again, like Kim was mentioning, if you stay in something too long, it's going to rob you, it's going to steal, it's going to take. And so uh, rejection... I hate to admit this, but I loved blaming him. Mm -hmm. Like I stayed in that blame position for far too long, which actually ended up robbing me. Mm -hmm. And it and it's never a one-sided thing. And there's two stories. So um, for me, I yeah, guilt, blame. We'd brought up shame at some point. I'm thankful that's something that I never felt, and I don't know why. Why was maybe saved from feeling that because I think that could be a common common feeling for a separation divorce situation um, yeah, yeah. Um, guilt did I bring that one up no yeah guilt I feel like guilt is another one I clung on to because it made me feel like I was caring about the situation more if I felt guilty is that weird yeah what did you feel guilty yeah. about um you know what again with each decision am I making the best decision I can um, am I am I giving Carson am I equipping him with what he needs have I done a good job mm -hmm. and 
obviously I've failed in areas, which is totally cool. We're supposed to do that, I think, right? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's, it, but yeah, yeah, it's good. Well, it's so, you, when we were chatting before the service, um, you know, we, were, we were talking a little bit about this, and she says, I don't know if I've, I don't know if I've done everything right. Uh, I said, none of us have done everything right. right. And so, uh, you know, that's why we celebrate Christmas, uh, because we needed someone to come and make things right for us, uh, because we're incapable and incompetent to do that on our own. Uh, it's part of the human condition. Um, and, Shar, I know you, you've been very, uh, as you said, there's two sides to every story. Um, and uh, you've been very... You know, honoring this morning when we we chatted at coffee, you're like, I, I don't want to, um, you know, I want to say more than my side. You know, I don't want to um, speak in any kind of dishonoring way, and uh, and I appreciate that, right? And you know, there's details of your story that I think you've left out out of that spirit of honoring, right, and out of the spirit of knowing that there's more than one side. Um, uh, there was some aspects um, around the marriage and the the divorce that made. Uh, you're wrestling with identity significant. Uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, identity formation uh, in the midst of relationships and the separation? Mm -hmm. Yeah, this one was a big one, and I realized up until about three or four months ago that I hadn't fully dealt with it. I felt like I dealt with it in stages. So uh, I allowed someone else to to frame who I was. And that was my fault for doing that, really. Uh, my identity was in validation from another person. And that can be from other people, from other sources, from other things. My validation was in what he thought of me and my worth and my value. And then so when you get rejected at the end of the day with that, um, yeah, it just feels debilitating almost. Yeah. yeah. And so a few months ago, uh, you know, as you're journeying through this, um, you, know, you know, we're talking about 15 years, right? So it's a 15-year journey, right? Um, and uh, and it's all, we're all, that's why we call it my journey, right, to Christmas. Uh, we're all on a journey. Um, but a few few months ago, you kind of, as a photographer, you started to, uh, and this is what I think is really neat, is that, that Shara has kind of viewed her hobbies, her career, even, even as a form of worship, as a form of actually connecting with God, as a form of processing um, things that have gone on in your life. Um, and, uh, and you decided to take an initiative a few months ago. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I, I wanted to put a stake in the sand. In the ground? The ground. <laughs> It'll stay, better. It'll, 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 it'll stay better in the ground than the sand. <laughs> right. And it will be easier to draw a line and in sand, sand than in the ground. Line, yeah. Right? Okay. So those, line in the sand, happen. stake in the ground. Yeah. It's doing both, I feel like. Thank you. Yeah. And so what I did was I got a hold of my friend Dee. Like I just I had an incident happen where, again, I gave somebody else approval to name me and to show me who I was. And that, that anyways, so... Um, I got a hold of my friend Dean, who's my brother-in-law, another photographer who I knew I could be vulnerable with. Um, and I needed pearls and I needed mud. I needed those three things. And I just went, I kind of, I had a concept idea of telling a story through 
that as the identity and the value and the worth being the theme. So now going to scripture, where did, where did that idea come oh, from? Okay. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to read your looks. <laughs> So I was praying one day and I was praying, it was in a forgiveness prayer of, of doing that again, of allowing um, likes and validation to come from other people and not him. And uh, upon doing that, um, God revealed a little movie short in my mind, kind of like a meditation. And he gave me pearls back. He flashed people up that I've, I felt that maybe I wasn't being seen or being heard or feeling valued or worthy. And he gave me pearls back. And then he, um, Jesus put them in a bowl and anointed them, cleansed them, cleaned them. And then he made a necklace and put it on my neck. And then that's where it ended. And I thought, wow, that, that was incredible. Like I just knew that was something. And I thought, well, what does the Bible say? What does scripture say? What does God say about pearls? There's got to be something. And it's... It's written through scripture quite a few times, but the first one I turned to was don't cast your pearls to swine. And I, so that actually means sharing. Can you share what that actually means? Because <laughs> I don't want to get it wrong. If you no. like, don't share yeah. the. Yeah, the, that, that some people aren't ready for the treasure of the kingdom, right. kingdom of God, right? And, and so we, we chat a little bit with this. Right. She's like, I got a meaning from it that wasn't actually the meaning of scripture. Is that okay? Uh, and, uh, but, but the meaning that you took from it is very much in line uh, with scripture, with, uh, with how God uh, views people, right? And, um, and so, you know, and it's your image that God gave to you. And uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit more in the new year. Um, yeah. Uh, but sometimes God gives us images or pictures from Scripture, um, and it's not necessarily about what is happening in Scripture, but what God is saying to you through that image and that picture. So, so what did He say specifically to you with that yeah. with that image? <laughs> so, um, not giving what is holy, not giving what, not giving your worth and your value to someone or something that doesn't even see it like a swine doesn't see a pearl it doesn't even know it like it doesn't even know to recognize it how can you blame the swine you can't blame the swine for trampling on me and all the mud and business because it doesn't even know to know its value mm -hmm. so i think for many of us that can speak out that can be anything that could be family life that could be with friendships that can be with be with anything really where you don't see seen heard valued don't feel worthy yeah mm -hmm. and you say that you know the pearl if it's in the mud yeah right doesn't change its value right yeah isn't that good that no matter where the pearl is it's in the mud it's in the queen's crown it's in the bottom of the sea mm -hmm. the worth of the pearl never changed yeah yeah so you felt like that was a picture that the lord gave you about you that you're yeah. a pearl and yeah and so that kind of led to a bit of an ongoing project, um, and, uh, and you took some pictures that kind of represents this part of your story, how God sees you in the... Um, and uh, we got a few of the pictures from that project, not all of them, but a few of them on the screen. And, uh, and we're just going to... You can see them here. And, and so you just want to kind of walk us through what you were thinking in each yeah. of these photos. So that's just like flat out done, like... <laughs> 
if you think of me as the pearl, that's what it would be. Like I just, I've cast myself there, I've been pulled into it, whatever it was. Um, I'm holding pearls. Um, and I guess what I would say about that one is when you put your validation and your worth in someone else's hands, you're always going to end up there. It's, and you're always going to have to go back to them for your validation. Um, your worth and your value and your identity belongs to him. It's in mm. him. Yeah, awesome. And then we got a couple more. So I've, the one on the right would be more like you can see the splatters of mud and stuff. Just that we, we do, we get hit by other people's pain knowingly unknowingly even as parents like we can do things that don't seem like maybe it's not right out there like um i don't know like abuse is pretty evident um when it's happening to you i think uh it could come under the radar like um pressure to perform that now brought on anxiety like we can just we do things um that um splatter our pain onto other people and so that's just a reflection and a recognition that it's not mine. And then I'm, I'm just going to allow God's grace and love and joy to wash me off. It's Which is reflected on the yeah. picture on the left. Yeah. yeah. And then that's just, that's, that was me putting on the necklace. So wearing his identity and his truth of who he says I am, which is loved. And there's joy just exuding from the photo there. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for sharing your story, those pictures. Um, you know, 15 years later, what are, what are some of the challenges? Um, is there any challenges that you still are kind of walking through from that time, or how are things sitting now? There's still challenges. Uh, I, I think because... I know the Lord, uh, it just looks different. It's a, so much easier to walk through. Mm -hmm. It seems more like a glitch than it does totally in the mud pit. Um, Cause I know that he's gone before me. I know he's worked it out. Um, I know there's hope. That was another thing I like when I was thinking um, the love, the peace, the love, peace, hope. Mm. Um, when we know who we are in him he is those things Christ is love, peace and hope I can have I have access to joy because mm. I have hope because I know that he's gone before me it's like the, yeah yeah, yeah. and you know the promise in scripture that God is he doesn't change like shifting shadows that God is consistent and so joy is constant and access to joy that's constant, that's unchanging, in, in spite of what might be changing in our lives. Mm -hmm. Really neat. Well, thank you, Shar, so much for sharing. Oh, something cool happened uh, this yeah, morning. Cool. Um, I would call it a coincidence, but I don't believe in coincidences. So, uh, can I just mention one other thing? Yeah, you I can. just I've, I felt oppressed on my heart all week to share with um, a person a child might not be a child, might be youth or a young adult or even an adult, oh, yeah. um, that is blaming themselves for their parents' divorce or yeah. separation. And I just want to say that that is never, ever, ever, ever true. 
Um, it doesn't matter what you did, if you're regretting things you said, if you're regretting what you didn't say, if you were sick. I don't know what it is, but um, somebody needs to know that today. It's not your fault. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. I forgot to so ask good. you that yeah, question. Yeah, no, I just didn't want to forget that. Mm -hmm. So, Patty, um, this was a this is a wonderful gift idea. <laughs> just by the way, um, if you can't think of what to get that special someone uh, for my birthday, Patty asked twelve people um, in the faith to uh, gift me with scripture. So, my son hands me an envelope on the first of every month and I open it and it'll say a scripture on it and then who sent it on the back. So for a whole year you get gifted with scripture. And um, so funny, so I'm doing this collage with all of them and I open my Bible this morning and this one falls out and lands in the cup holder and I'm like, oh, I wonder where that happened. I look at it and it's from Matt and um, it's James 1, 2 to 4. And, and so you didn't remember what James 1, 2 to 4 no, said. So you... then, yeah, so I thought I was curious. Well, I wonder where that happened. I'm going to look it up. And it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance mu must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Wow. So good. That's awesome. Okay, well, uh, thank you, Char. Let's give Char a hand, and she's going to light the final Advent candle for us. Thank you, Char. So I just want to build a, just a couple of thoughts off um, what Char shared. Um, just a beautiful testimony of uh, finding joy, uh, finding uh, and joy as a source from our identity. Um, and uh, I want to read from Matthew chapter 1, uh, starting at verse 18. It says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. This is a powerful and significant story in the gospel. And there's lots of things going on. Uh, the proclamation of the coming of Jesus, uh, Emmanuel, God with us. Um, but a significant piece in the story often gets overlooked, in the, and it's this, that God did not allow Joseph and Mary to name Jesus. In uh, this time, it was, and you know, still is, the, the father and the mother's right, and particularly the father, uh, right to name their own child. But God 
steps in and says, I am not going to let you name Jesus. And why is that? Why did not God allow them to do that? Uh, and I, I believe it's for a couple of reasons. The first is that a name, uh, particularly in this time, was significant because it, 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 it expressed two very particular things about a person. You know, nowadays we don't think much about names, uh, or maybe you do. Um, Lisa and I kind of pick biblical names that we kind of like that, you know, there's, you know, when you have the last name Dick, there's not a whole lot of names that work real well. And uh, so our main criteria was, you know, what works with that name? And I really like the name Noah. Um, and I... And I was trying to convince Lisa with Joel. I was like, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Like, you know, it's, it's a good name. She's like, no, it doesn't work with her last name. It's, we can't do that to our son. I'm like, and I, I honestly wrestled over for a couple of weeks. I'm like, I like that name. But he'll be scarred for life. So let's pick, let's pick Joel. That's a, that's a good option. Um, but there was much more thought that went into names in this time. Because a name, uh, when a name was given to you, it articulated who is in authority over you. So the reason parents name their children is because the, the parent is the authority figure in the child's life. Uh, in 2 Kings 23, it's fascinating. When one king would defeat another king, he would rename that king. So if a king defeated another king, he'd rename that king because it was indicating to that person who was in authority, who's the new authority. So I'm going to give you a new name, which tells you that I'm actually an authority over you. Or when you think back to the creation story, Adam named the animals. Why did God have Adam name the animals? Because God got lazy. So much work. He ran out of name ideas with the, with the animals. No, because, at, because God was giving authority to humanity, to Adam and Eve on earth. And that's portrayed in uh, the creation account by Adam naming animals, being an authority over animals over creation. So a name says, where's your source of authority? Where's your superior? Uh, the second thing it articulates is what's your purpose? It shows purpose. A name tells you what you're here to do. Even in Luke 2, it says that the name would be Jesus because he will save people from their sins. So what's the meaning of the name? The, the, the name carried purpose. The, the name carried mission. And uh, we don't often think that way in terms of naming today. But this is what it meant to name somebody back in that day. You know, my name means God's gift, which is a great meaning. I don't think my, my parents uh, thought much about that when they named it. It, ma it made for a good pickup line, though, in high school. I'm actually God's gift uh, to you. Uh, that's what my name means. <laughs> it didn't work very well. But names like, you know, I, I remember in, in, in high school and youth group, we, were, we looked at kids, the meanings of their names, and I looked at Brendan, and uh, Brendan means uh, smelly hair. So, um, you know, we can't read too much into what the meaning of names is into our identity. But at this time, the name shows, it shows purpose. The content gives, uh, gives purpose, gives mission. And so the name Jesus, why? Because he will save people from their sins, because the name Jesus it's actually kind of a, uh, it's an English form of a, of a Hellenized Hebrew word, uh, sort of Greekized word. Um, 
And the name is actually Joshua or Yeshua. And the Ye means the Lord and Shua means saves. So God says, I'm not going to give you authority to name Jesus. That's my job. You are not in authority over Jesus. He's actually in authority over you. And so I name him, give him the name Jesus, and his name, his identity, his purpose, his mission, his life is going to be about saving the people. He's savior. He's rescuer. And if you read the Bible, it's obvious that Jesus knew his identity. He knew who he was, and he knew what he was about. So now, let me ask you a few questions in light of that. In light of that, who is your authority? You know, Shar mentioned a number of times, um, I did not, I didn't want him to name me, or I didn't want that situation to name me. In our world, identity formation is hard work. And often, you know, I hear people talk about discovering themselves or finding out who I am, or I'm trying to figure out who I am. And I, and I think the better place to start is whose am I? Who do I belong to? Who is my superior? Who am I finding my worth and my value? Who is naming me? And we can find this name or this authority in a bunch of things, you know, uh, our parents, our friends, our work, our success. If you're going to name yourself through work, what actually happens is your work names you and therefore it rules you because whoever names you is your authority. If you're going to find your worth in relationship, that thing that you're looking for worth in will eventually become your authority because whoever or whatever is an authority will always name you. So who, whose are you, honestly, if you ask that question? Who is your superior? Where do you look for that acceptance and that validation from? And secondly, the content of your name. The self, ironically, needs something higher than the self to live in order to become a self. You need something beyond yourself to actually recognize and understand who you are. And so when we talk about your name, it doesn't mean that, you know, there's going to be some names that float down from heaven. That this, this is your name. Uh, it just means that it's pointing us to the reality that God and God alone created us to name us, to give us a sense of who we are, whose we are, and what we were created for. Each of us is given a first name and a last name. You know, my last name is Dick, as I mentioned, and that my last name tells me who I belong to, where I come from. My first name is Matt. It tells me my unique individuality. Uh, you know, and in the biblical times, tells somebody of their, their purpose, their mission, why were they put on earth. Every one of us is given a first and last name. Every one of us is given by God a home to know where we came from and whose we are. And secondly, we've been given a purpose to live for that's beyond ourselves. That first name, our purpose, sometimes that takes time. Your last name you get immediately when you become a child of God, when you, when you say, Jesus, you're king. God, I give you authority in my life. You're given a last name. A first name often comes over time, finding your gifts, the kind of people God wants you to help, the type of ministry that God wants you to do. 
You know, even in Scripture, we see that Sarai became Sarah over time. Abram became Abraham. Saul became Paul. Simon became Peter. That as they grew in the relationship with God, God gave them uh, understanding what their purpose was. So the question I want to ask you this morning is, who names you? What names you? You know, maybe you can relate to Shar's story where you're finding validation and identity and allowing other people to name you. And it's actually a journey of learning to find that value and that validation from God who's unchanging. Jesus, it says in Scripture, the King of kings, Lord of lords, he's the name above every other name. The name above every other name. And many of us in our culture are like, you know, I don't like this idea that, you know, I got to make Jesus my Lord. You can relate to Ricky Bobby and you're like, I'm more comfortable with the eight-ounce little baby Jesus. I like that Jesus. You don't get that option because God and God alone named Jesus. Do you see that? He didn't allow Mary and Joseph to name him. We don't get to name him. We don't get to create Jesus in our image that God gave him a name that is above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So we don't get to name Jesus. Our response to what God has done through Jesus is to bend our knee to him. We bend our knee to him, and as we do that, he gives us a name. He gives us an identity. He gives us a purpose. I'm going to invite you to stand with me as the band comes to stage. And before we sing this... uh, this last song, I'm just going to invite you to close your eyes, and we're going to ask a dangerous question together. And the question is, Lord, are there things or people in my life other than you that I'm allowing to name me? Take a minute and pray that question. Lord, is there anything in, anything or any people in my life that I'm allowing to name me other than you? I'm just going to invite you to keep your eyes closed. And, and as I pray for you in a minute, I'm just going to just invite you to just raise a hand and say, you know what, I think there are things in my life that I'm looking for validation identity from other than my Father. If the Lord's brought any of those things to mind, with your eyes closed, just invite you to to raise a hand and say, you know what, that's me. I can relate to that. I can relate to that. I'm putting my hand up. I want to ask another question. One of the reasons I was really excited about having Shar speak um, is because separation and divorce is incredibly, incredibly common, and increasingly so. And many of us have been affected by either parents who have separated, maybe we've been involved in separation ourselves. Um, we've been involved in family where there's been Uh, breaks in relationship. Um, And I'm just curious, you know, again, with your eyes closed, how many of us in this room have been affected in some way or another by uh, separated relationships, divorce, 
broken relationships in our families. Thank you. I think it's so significant um, that Jesus, the unchanging one, uh, the uncreated one, the name that is above all names, kind of enters into our world and says, regardless of what's gone on in your life, I have a name for you. I have an identity for you. That you have inherent value. That you might feel like you've been in the mud pit, but you are actually a pearl that has inherent value. So let's... I just want to pray for you. Father, we, uh, we recognize, God, that we live in a muddy, messy world uh, where we do relationships imperfectly. Uh, Lord, there's, um, there's folks in this room this morning that have been uh, married and experienced separation as they've experienced divorced, divorce. And Father, we just thank you that that event has not named them. And Lord, we recognize that in church history that many people who have actually gone through divorce have felt um, unwelcome or disqualified uh, to p- participate and to uh, to be a fully welcomed follower of Jesus, Lord. And we just speak against that lie this morning in Jesus' name and say that there's nothing uh, that has happened in their life that disqualifies them from being your child, from being fully equipped into their destiny and their identity and whose they are and what they were created for. Lord, because we get our name from you. Um, so, Lord, we thank you that you give us a name. Uh, Lord, I, I thank... We, we, we pray for... Uh, those children, and maybe they're not children anymore, they're adults, Lord, who have grown up in the midst of broken families, Lord, that they have uh, actually had the mother and fathering heart of God misrepresented to them in some way from their parents, and we all have. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would just fill their heart with grace this morning. Uh, Lord, that whatever name that they've carried, maybe in light of those realities and in light of those situations, Lord, that they would be able to exchange that name for a new name this morning. An unchanging name, because it comes from you, the unchanging one. And Lord, as we think about what other things, other people that we place our identity and our validation in, uh, Lord, I pray that you would show us what it means to actually exchange that uh, for what you want to say about us. That we would know how to do that. Lord, just like you kind of showed Shar how to do that, Lord, that you would show us how to do that, whether that's creating boundaries in our lives or changing certain habits or, um, or, or whatever you want to do in certain relationships or maybe giving up certain hobbies or things for seasons, Lord, to, to put you as our number one priority. Lord, I pray that you would put that on our hearts, what you're calling us to do. Because, uh, Lord, more than anything, we want to be sons and daughters of God. We want our identity to be unchanging And we want to represent you, an unchanging, loving Father, to a broken world that desperately needs joy. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.